Hello, lovely podcast people. A quick interim podcast episode following up from last week's or earlier this week's podcast episode on um, squash, cordial, diluting juice. I guess from having posted that, I have had some good conversations with people and people have reached out and said, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to send it to my sister. I'm going to send it to my mom, blah, blah, blah. And just through some of those conversations, it dawned on me kind of thinking about back to what I said, that I wanted to also just re-emphasize a few things. In fact, emphasize more, or I forgot to say explicitly. So it's just going to be a quick one. Likewise, if you're on a viewing platform, let me know what you think using a new camera, a new, new camera from last time, actually using like a big camera rather than just on a whatever phone as the first hundred episodes were filmed on. So let me know what you think. Also might need to improve the sound quality. Going to test this one afterwards. It's just a quick one. So hopefully I'm not hurting your ears too much. Anyway, the things I wanted to just quickly say are, I feel like I made, I feel like this is obvious if you're one of my long-time listeners, but I wasn't saying that you definitely need to completely take away these types of drinks from children, toddlers, whoever. But I am saying that I, I think probably the ideal situation is that you do ideal from a physiological point of view, not from a real life, not from what is currently going on and you have already done, not based on your situation, but based on, you know, the mathematics of the situation, the physiology of the situation. The perfect ivory tower argument is that, yeah, do not give children these drinks at all. Secondly, if you can't do that, don't give it to them around mealtimes particularly. And the reason for that obviously was just this change in taste perception, this increased um, preference towards sweet foods or, you know, sweet contain, you know, sugar containing foods or sweet drinks, etc. Just maybe making them more fussy with their eating. Now, there will be people out there who have these and their children still eat very diet and etc, etc. Fantastic. It was more just highlighting this thing that I think is not discussed enough and is making life harder for people, especially as Oftentimes you have the charlatans of the industry saying so much incorrect information about, for instance, an artificially sweetened drink, about how bad it is for you. And then we forget that that's talking about adults. And then secondly, they're making up these lies that we forget that there are some truths that we could be talking about. And the other thing that that leads me to say is the podcast, I don't think I made this point clear enough, that artificial sweeteners are also called non-nutritive sweeteners. And then we have nutritive sweeteners, which are all different types, sugar alcohols ranging to, ju- ranging to just sugar, to, you know, high fructose corn syrup, which again is just sugar. And um, for all intent and purposes, that colloquial term we use, sugar, um, it has calories in it, nutrition, as much as people would hate to call uh, sugar nutritive. But this message that I'm giving you here also applies to that. So just any very, very sweet liquids, even particularly sweet foods, as long as you can keep those types of hyper palatable foods out of a child's diet, the better. There's no need for those things in our diet. However, when we get to the real world, demonizing those foods especially in young children, is not going to be great. But this is where we have to see what we can do in terms of the food environment. I literally just said to uh, someone the other day, I want to move the sweets. You know, we will have sweets with my little ones. And totally not against sweets. But I just am lazy and a bit messy. 
and just leave them out. So they're constantly being reminded of these sweets. Oh, I want these sweets. I want these sweets. So it, I could never be like, oh, stop asking for sweets. Like, geez, they're right there. And they're, they are cocaine for kids. Um, to use that phrase I used in the last episode, but obviously, again, not going anywhere near the absurd statement that uh, artificial sweeteners. I actually interestingly read a different rat study recently um, using the whole, you know, I, I mentioned in the last podcast, like artificial sweeteners more addictive to cocaine, like from that absolute moron Mark Hyman. But actually rats can be can prefer just simple water over water laced with cocaine, or I think it was even heroin. Um, it's absolutely mad that these poor rats slash these rats with who are super chatty and um, great personalities, <laughs> or terrible personalities, actually, sometimes. Uh, anyway, I'm going too far. Um, so in this instance, I wanted to just remind you, it's not actually just sugar-free squash, cordial, whatever that I'm talking about. It's It's these very highly sweet, foods and drinks that we should just be considering the same reason sometimes you'd see grandmothers you know don't eat that sugary stuff you'll ruin your appetite and it actually they're not actually that great at suppressing appetite sugary foods highly palatable foods but they you know are going to make us probably want to eat our pasta our potato our whatever you know i use the term the the food broccoli quite often even though i particularly like broccoli but it's going to make the broccoli less appealing and then it's finally it's just summarizing the fact that I'm still on board with the idea that there's stuff we don't know. And actually people are super motivated about good nutrition for their children more so than they are themselves quite often. And, you know, when there's unknowns, I'm happy to kind of make decisions based on me and just like, ah, I like to, whatever the word is, live fast. I'll leave it there. But, you know, living fast, I, I like the, the pleasurable lifestyle rather than just like, oh, I'm going to live like a monk or I'm going to eat a super low calorie diet for my whole life because it might extend my lifespan by a few days or weeks. But for my children, I want to do as much for them as I possibly can and err on the side of caution. So again, we have a lack of data in children. And likewise, a developmental brain is very different from an, uh, you know, an adult fully developed brain. And likewise, as an adult, hopefully being slightly more able to make decisions that are not just purely hedonic, not just purely based on pleasure. Um, and so we can eat sugary things and have a potentially a preference for sugary things and still make good choices whereas children where it's just a case of no I don't want to I want my unicorn candy I don't want that whatever vegetable yeah those are the those are the sort of the three little points I just wanted to make as an addition as a clarification I haven't had anyone come to me going oh you're saying that no you know we shouldn't give kids squash I've not had any of those Karens or whatever we're calling them these days, which is great. But I just wanted to um, say that because I, I feel like I maybe hadn't made the the probably obvious point of I'm not saying you shouldn't have these ever at all, no matter what, until you're 18 years old. But yeah. Anyway, hope you hope that provides some clarification. Hope it um, was worth it. <laughs> okay. Until next time. Don't know when I'll release this, but there'll be another one coming out on Monday. I'll um, spoiler alert. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be on sleep and body composition, weight loss, fat loss, muscle gain, recovery, appetite. And I think it's going to surprise even some of the evidence-based crowd because I feel like people are selling sleep wrong slash making statements that aren't true in the evidence-based world. Anyway, 
Until next time, much love.